0: When we think of addiction, we often think of uh, young adults, say, strung out on some terribly addictive drug, lying in an alley or in a gutter in some city in America. Terms like stoner come to mind, long, greasy hair, gaunt, dark-eyed and disheveled, someone seeking that next fix. Well, Drug addiction doesn't always look like that, and drug addiction is only one kind of addiction that our common enemy, the devil, uses to diminish our kids' and our entire nation, for that matter, into easy prey for evil and self-destruction. These other addictions are a little less easy to spot at first. And when it comes to our kids, it's easy to justify, even be complicit in, activities that look like routine cultural norms, but may in fact be life-controlling or, God forbid, addicting. Well, today we're going to be exploring some of these, quote, normal activities, end quote, that might actually be addictive and Be what's keeping your child from flourishing. That's today on License to Parent. Well, welcome, my friend. Thanks uh, for tuning in once again to License to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long, Christ-centered residential program working with troubled teens. And our goal on this program, simply to export some of what we learn here so that you can be a more intentional parent and avoid the need for residential care. I'm Rich Rosel, and joining me in the studio is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill Academy, Trace Embry. And, uh, Trace, it it's hard for parents to come to grips with the term addiction, especially when it's used to define a personal issue, even more so when that personal issue involves their kids. Uh, do you think this
1: term addiction, uh, well, perhaps is being abused these days? Well, you know, maybe in some cases, but in many others, I'd say it isn't recognized enough. But the term abuse is the term that I think has actually been abused in, uh, more than the term addiction, particularly as it relates to wise and, and biblical discipline. Uh, consequently, our ever-increasing uh, fragile society has been producing ever-increasingly fragile kids for the past few generations mm-hmm. now. But addiction is something a bit different, as I understand it anyway. Uh, you know, when I think of abuse, I think of it more in terms of isolated events or something that can take place on occasion, sporadic as these events might be. You know, but addiction is more of a, an all-consuming attitude towards something that, that can totally control a person's life. And there are many things beyond illicit drugs that are wreaking havoc on our kids and families that are life-controlling, yet not always acknowledged yeah. as addictions, but they're addictions just the same.
0: Well, what, what are some of these life-controlling things that you would consider undetected addiction. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, first of all, let me give you what I would consider to be a concise yet accurate definition of addiction. It's, it's anything you can't or think you can't live without. In scriptural terms, I think you can parallel addiction with what the Bible calls idolatry. But here's just three things that I think a lot of families are not thinking of in terms of addiction, yet they're affecting their families nonetheless. How about food? I think food addictions, particularly to sugar, are greatly overlooked. Addictions to amusement, pleasure, and entertainment particularly to music, are something that I don't think enough people give credence to at all. Hmm. I mean, think about it, Rich. Just over 100 years ago, if you wanted to hear music, you had to either you know, know how to play it yourself, or you had to go to some place to hear it live, like church, or maybe a bar, or you know, a theater. Uh, and, and you didn't have movies in, in every home 24-7 either, you know, all the news channels. All this has created an anadonic effect on, on virtually everyone in America, especially our kids. You know as well as I do that the kids are rarely bored anymore because, you know, we keep them amused every minute of every waking day, and they don't turn loose of one pleasure until they got the other one in their hands. So uh, they've lost a lot of critical, constructive, and creative thinking skills that kids in the past uh, always possessed. But we don't realize it because being entertained into imbecility is so systemic to who we are as a citizenry these days. It's become the norm. And so the third one could be tech addictions. It's, I would say that's the third addiction that is overlooked. There's many. These little plastic addictive adult toys we call smartphones are feeding this anhedonic effect that I believe is so systemic to our citizenry. But there are many more things uh, that we're addicted to, of course, and we just don't realize it. And, you know, maybe today's guest can help us sort through some of these things.
0: Well, uh, you mentioned just a moment ago, you know, that kids aren't bored anymore. Uh, I, I think that's something we may want to touch on with today's guest. And that is the fact that Boredom can, in fact, help develop some of those creative thinking components in the brain. And, uh, you know, having had five teens come through my house, I still, in spite of it all,
1: regularly heard, I'm bored. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Well, they say necessity is the mother of invention, hmm. but I think uh, boredom is also, you know, uh, maybe the ant. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the father of invention. I don't know.
0: Could be. Well, let's bring today's guest into our conversation. Dr. Carl Benzio, MD, is a Christian psychiatrist. He's board certified by the American Board of Psychiatry and Urology. He's held several health system clinical director and management positions, infusing his blend of spiritual faith with science to treat thousands, as well as to write, consult, and address the impact of a wide range of behavioral health issues and how to bring God's healing to individuals, to families, society, and social policy issues. Uh, Dr. Benzio is a repeat guest here on Licensed to Parent. By the way, if you'd like to hear any of our past conversations, you'll find those on our website at LicensedToParent.org. Well, Dr. Carl,
1: welcome back to the Licensed to Parent broadcast.
2: Hey, it's always great to be with you guys. Thanks so much.
1: You know, I, I just gave a pretty simplistic definition of addiction. Uh, can you tell our listeners how, how you would define addiction being a doctor and how, or maybe how the dictionary would define it?
2: Yes, yeah, so we have a couple of different uh, arenas in psychiatry. We have this thing called the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Psychiatric Diagnosing. And um, we're in our fifth edition. It came out uh, back in the 50s, and we're now in our fifth edition that came out a few years ago. But it has a fairly uh, behavioral diagnosis criteria where it lists 11 classic symptoms of uh, using more than you initially thought you would use or unsuccessful efforts to cut down uh, craving um, interfering with social occupational academic pursuits uh, having withdrawal and detox uh, symptoms so that's sort of the classic psychiatric definition of it Um, but like you say um, you know, it goes beyond that. That sort of the external behaviors. There's an internal process that's spiritually. You know, like in Ezekiel, the idols of the heart. That first commandment, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Yeah. Sort of think about it. And then as I look at patients that are sitting in front of me and you know are struggling, to me, addiction is something. You know, just a simple definition is continuing to use, pursue, or do something. Even though it has unhealthy consequences attached to it. Now, some right. people would say that a person would need to try to stop and they have difficulty stopping. So, you know, if it's just a bad habit, you can stop any anytime you want. Um, is it addiction or is that that intensified? Um, I've sort of lost control kind of element into it. But, you know, I think whether you've tried to stop and have been successful or not, when you're doing something in a repetitive way that still has consequences for you, you're sort of showing that um, you're addicted to that. That's something that you, like you said, that you can't live without. It's become the center of your universe. And I think that's what the Bible sort of warns us. Don't let something other than God be at the center of your universe. Things that are at the center, like the sun, determines the orbits of all the other things that go around it that are in that solar system. And so if God's in the center, then God gets to determine the orbits of all those things in our life. But if we put alcohol, if we put substances, if we put other people's opinions, if we put social media, uh, if we put food at the center of our solar system, well, that's going to sort of control the orbits of all the other things and activities in our life. And we're in a lot of trouble when we let something else other than God determine the orbits of all the other aspects of our life.
1: Yeah, no, well said. Uh, Addiction to whatever uh, seems to be an ever-increasing problem in America. Uh, Is it just me, or have we Americans found more and more things to be addicted to in the past few decades?
2: Well, you know, uh, our society is very good at uh, coming up with new stuff, right? There's nothing new under Mm -hmm. the sun. Um, as far as sort of what goes on internally, but boy, there's a lot of extra stuff and new stuff that's around for us to play with. We have many more toys and gadgets and, yeah. um, you know, for me in my personal life and my struggle with, you know, with alcohol and various other, what you call process addictions or those behavioral addictions. So we have substance addictions where it's a chemical, uh, caffeine, the most common in our society. And you can see it given away for free at churches and at workplaces, yeah. unbelievable and, um, Sorry, so it's, it's sort of counterintuitive that you would find addictive elements at church, but, you know, they give it away for free. <laughs> um, but then there's uh, what we call process addictions or behavioral addictions. And so those things that are, are going on, there's so many different power, uh, control, stimulation. Um, and what I found was in my personal life and as I work with people, the most common addiction I see, and I believe what everybody is really addicted to, is comfort. You know, if you look at almost oh everything we do in our day, it's really about yeah. how to avoid discomfort or how to make our life more comfortable or make those around us so more comfortable. True. So we're just, um, you know, especially as our society gets a little bit more, uh, especially in America, more plush and more wealthy and uh, more conveniences. Uh, it's amazing how much discomfort uh, we can't tolerate. Um, the resilience, uh, that we used to have as a society back, certainly in the, in the, um, in the middle ages, uh, but then certainly during colonial times and, you know, even 60 years ago or 50 years ago, there was a lot of discomfort in life. There was a lot of physical malady and, uh, deaths and premature deaths just because of infections and diseases and polio and, you know, various different kind of, inf- uh, uh, illnesses. Um, but now in life, there's so much more comfort that, um, we seem to be entitled to even more, and with this microwave mentality that we have that everything has to happen immediately. So just um, mm-hmm. like you were talking about boredom uh, and not being able to be bored, that discomfort of not having stimulation right now, so that addiction to stimulation or productivity or I need to have something happening uh, or else I'll lull into boredom for eight seconds, heaven forbid, that would happen. Um, so that addiction to comfort, it's amazing what we'll find, that sort of
0: fills that need. Carl, you you said something that um, I guess makes me wonder. This may just be a matter of semantics, but when we're talking about some of these things that, that you and Trace are describing as addictions, I tend to wonder if it's just a matter of having our priorities out of order at some times. Is there a difference between the two? I'm thinking, for example, of those who are... Driven by the work that they do, or as you said, uh, people who may be addicted to a relationship—is it—is it perhaps as minor as priorities being out of order, or are we actually seeing an addiction there?
2: Well, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I, you know, certainly, it's it's priorities being out of order, but when that priority, when that when that object that you're pursuing, is being pursued to fulfill a certain need um, to tend to something or to cope with something that we should be looking to God in order to meet that need or to help us Mm -hmm. manage that particular situation or stressor, Um, then it becomes to me an addiction where it's something that we're pursuing inappropriately and it's sort of moving to that center of our universe or higher up on that totem pole of priorities, you know, however, whatever metaphor we want to use. But there's, um, to, let me sort of explain the stages of addiction. There's six stages of addiction, and to me this sort of really helps put it in perspective a little bit more. That first stage is experimental use, where somebody just, you know, they have no connection with this substance or activity and don't know really what it's for or what it will cause. But eh, let me experiment. Let me just try it out and see. They do that a couple times, and then there's usually recreational use where with some friends or some peers, you know, somebody has it. There's no sort of driving force to do it, but, uh, you know, we're just having fun. We're just doing it uh, off the cuff. But then the real dangerous step is when in third stage of circumstantial use. And that's where a person starts to use because it fulfills a certain need or it helps them mm-hmm. cope with something. So whether it's studying for an exam and they're using stimulants to stay up longer, whether they're stressed mm-hmm. by what's going on at work so they have a couple of drinks to be able to relax when they go home and de-stress and fall asleep, then they start to apply that particular coping skill to other areas of their life. And then it becomes more pervasive and they start to use it more regularly in other areas as they start to get more addicted and have withdrawal from not having it and you can have withdrawal from uh, things that aren't substances so there's people you know try to take away a, a cell phone from a kid or social media from a kid or cut them off for a week and they'll have withdrawal symptoms whenever they're not oh uh, don't have access to it with irritability difficulty sleeping difficulty with appetite difficulty with personality So that you get that regular use comes after circumstantial and intensified use, where you start using it a lot more, a lot more frequently, and to fulfill a lot more needs. And then the last, where we sort of of, classically look at addiction, is that compulsive stage, where even when a person wants to try to give it up, they are now so consumed and overwhelmed and controlled by that particular activity or substance that they can't give it up on their own. There really needs to be some outside intervention of a treatment facility or, or parents or somebody really intervening law, for me, you know, partly going to jail, was that intervention that I needed to be able to stop some of the both behavioral addictions and um, substance addictions that I had. Hmm. Do you think that all
1: these addictions, these comforts, uh, could possibly be uh, a hollow substitute, an idol, or replacement for the God that we've been trying to kick out in our society since the 1960s? And and if so, can you flesh that out for us?
2: Yeah, I I certainly believe that. You know, some people will say the opposite of addiction is connection. You know, I think the opposite of addiction is belonging. You know, where do we belong? Who do we belong to? We belong to God. And that's what we need to be connected to. That's what we need to be tied to. That's what we need to be in relationship with. And for, you know, for whenever we have an addiction, we start to develop a relationship with that object, with that, whether it's work, whether it's food, whether it's a a substance, um, whether it's productivity or control you know big issue with with me was control you know i realized that whenever um you know when i was younger whenever other people were in control i got hurt a lot but when i'm in control i get hurt a lot less so the need for control, the addiction to control, to be in a controlling situation, that you know, one of the elements that gravitated me to to medicine and being a physician, you have a lot more control of things in society and obviously things in your life from a financial standpoint, from a vocational standpoint, and being able to call various shots. So, you know, there are certainly nice reasons I wanted to uh medicine and wanted to become a psychiatrist and help people, but that control factor was another is my addiction for control started to grow and, and spiral. So I think there's, there's definitely that element of what's going on underneath and how we're trying to get comfort. And all these elements are things that we should be looking for God for, but we don't. And so Satan you know is great at tricking us. And the good news is God gave us a powerful mind. But the bad news is God gave us a powerful mind. And so yeah, Satan exactly. just wants to take that power and use it against us, just like he does yeah. for all the things that God's given and us in this you. world.
1: He does a pretty good job at that. Uh, is it possible to be uh, addicted to another person? You know, a spouse, a child—is uh, is codependency or meshment, just another uh, addiction?
2: I believe so. You know, I, you know. Certainly, we we find people that are uh, parents that are pretty neglectful of their kids and uh, um, don't f- f- feed into their life and uh, aren't connected to them, um, aren't teaching them how to be connected relationally, and then trans, you know, sort of be that conduit of helping their kid become connected and belonging to God and understanding that so they don't re- develop relationships with other objects or are the created and they're connecting to the creator. Uh, but then we find some parents that are too over-involved in their kids and they're too dependent mm-hmm. on their kids or their kids are too much at the center of their universe and um, we can see so much unhealthy functioning in their marriage and in their life uh, because the kids are that object that they're getting their comfort, they're getting their vicarious uh, living and uh, accomplishments and uh, successes and, um, you know, they're living out their career through their kids, you know, attainment of academic success or vocational success later on as adults and, um, you know, or academic, uh uh, the, the pageants you know, that we see oftentimes and the pageant moms and just some of the characters that we see of those situations, there's a lot of, uh, you know, we certainly see um, addiction to sex and addiction to love. Uh, you know, certainly pornography in a way is that uh, sort of person or difficulty with a real person. So, you know, the most prominent, uh, prevalent uh, process addiction uh, that most secular uh, organizations look at is pornography. Um, so it's yeah. definitely, people can be, anything that's created can become an idol. And, you know, as the verse, you know, talks about anything up in the heavens, anything down below the earth or in the sea, any of those things can be, you know, quote, graven images or objects that we sort of have made um, to be uh, for use, but we allow them to go to the center of our universe. And wow, you know, a lot of destructive things happen when we push God out of the center and push anything else into that uh, center of our life.
1: Exactly. So what I hear you're saying is part of the Ten Commandments addressing addiction right there, the first two. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. There you go. Well, we're coming up on a break.
0: We are indeed our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Christian psychiatrist Dr. Carl Benzio. If you'd like to find out more about Dr. Benzio's work or perhaps uh, contact him, you can reach him through his practice at honeylake.clinic. That's an interesting URL, honeylake.clinic. Meanwhile, this is Licensed to Parent. You can connect with us on our website, LicensedToParent.org. Back with more in just a moment.
3: In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteen.org, click on resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherd's Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. Your children are teens now. They're
0: growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology, issues that affect health, wellness, ability, to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at License to Parent, we want you to choose a Wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at slash Wise phone. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy with your host, Trace Embry. I'm Rich Trozzle, and we're talking today with Christian psychiatrist, Dr. Carl Benzio. And uh, the subject is a tough one and one that none of us wants to admit that we have in our lives and certainly not in our households, and that's addiction. But indeed, that is what we're facing. And uh, Trace, I think uh, at the end of the day and certainly at the end of the program, we need to know what to do about it.
1: Yeah, I'd probably be derelict if I didn't bring this up, but Dr. Carl, we we keep hearing about the massive amount of opioid addictions in America today. Uh, Why has that become such a huge issue in recent times, and what can parents do to take precautions that would limit their child's risk of ever being a victim of this addiction?
2: Yeah, you know, the opioid epidemic that's been going on, thankfully it's getting less over the last uh, couple years, but still significant uh, impact on our society. You know, about 25 years ago, um, you know, we have our vital signs of uh, heart rate, respiratory rate, blood pressure, and temperature, and we added another one, pain, and so we found that pain... Mm really was an indicator of people having significant physical and often even psychiatric or emotional issues. So we started really taking a look at uh, what people's pain issue was. And then if they have pain, okay, well, how do we ameliorate pain and lessen it? So then pain meds started to become a big uh, therapeutic modality to mm. address physical issues. And so people were in less pain and they could think more clearly and they'd be less stressed. But unfortunately, there became this epidemic of pain uh, pain meds and, uh, you know, people abusing them, uh, about maybe 94% would use them appropriately, but 6% wouldn't. And then they'd be getting them out of their grandfather's, you know, closet, their medicine cabinet, or those kind of things. And just um, when it became mm. too expensive to buy the pills, people then turned to heroin. So even though heroin died out for a while, we saw this big upsurge about 10 years ago because yes. the FBI and the DEA started to put Restraints on how many pills were out there, and okay, people then just turned to heroin because that was a lot cheaper and easier to get. Um, so to help parents uh, protect their kids from these things, and, you know, a couple of real important things. One is just always be observant of changes. When you see changes in your children, whether that's their personality, whether that's their friend group, whether that's how they spend their time, hobbies that they're interested in, or hobbies that they used to be interested that they're now dropping fairly abruptly, uh, their hygiene. Whenever you see changes in your child, it might be for good reasons. It might be for appropriate reasons. But always, you know, perk your antennas up and start to ask questions and um, healthy, good, loving, caring questions, but, you know, really dive in a little bit deeper to see what's at the bottom of some of those changes that your child has. Okay. Uh, another real important aspect is teaching our kids how to manage their emotions. You know, we have uh, a real difficult time with um, these uncomfortable emotions, whether it's sadness, depression, anxiety, fear, loneliness. We talked about boredom earlier. And mm-hmm. um, whenever the, we have those feelings, all it is is our warning system letting us know that something's up. Might be potential danger or something's not going right. Um, but it's the warning sign. It's the messenger. There's nothing bad about it. We need to be able to move past it and say, okay, what am I getting warned about? What's the problem? How do I address the problem? So as parents, we want to try to help our kids manage those feelings, be comfortable with those feelings, engage those feelings, and not try to run from them or try to feel that they have to suppress them, block them out. Uh, We want to let them know that they can talk about them. They can come to us to, you know, help them feel better or to manage that situation or whatever those problems, and obviously we don't want them to go to substances to self-medicate, soothe, or escape uh, their struggles. And the last thing I would throw out to uh, the listeners are – you know, God is very, uh, you know, he'd love our obedience and our relationship, but if he could have only one or the other, he really wants our relationship. He wants us to connect with him. He wants us to know that he loves us uh, and we belong to him. And sometimes as parents, I know in, in my past, raising my my girls, that sometimes I would be a little bit um, more focused on the tasks at hand, mm-hmm. um, the chores, the homework. Um, and they were good kids, and they did things well, but I know that I focused on those more, and I didn't focus on the relational aspects of things as much in my heart. I loved them. I cared for them, and that was the reason why I did things, but sometimes for a 3-year-old, 5-year-old, 7-year-old, even 12- or 15-year-old, they need to hear that very often from me because with the world and the chatter and the insecurities and the, and the fears and worries that they have in their peer groups, they need to know that they're connected at home, that they're loved at home, that we, you know, that's the most important thing. You know, if their homework is this or that, or their chores a little sloppy, you know, we can work on that. I just want you to know that, you know, I care for you. I love you. And, you know, with that, and with God in our lives loving you and belonging to him, we can solve anything, conquer anything, get through any issue together.
0: Amen. Our guest on Licensed to Parent, Christian Psychiatrist, Dr. Carl Benzio. And Carl, uh, once again, the website, if anybody does want to contact you or reach you at your clinic, it's honeylake.clinic, is that correct?
2: Correct. Yep,
0: that's it. Excellent.
2: And there's a helpline there, so if you have any needs or issues or want to speak to me, just uh, call the helpline and let them know.
0: Excellent. We'll pass them through. Well, bless you. Thanks so much for being on the program with us today. Well,
2: bless Absolutely. you guys and your ministry and uh, and all you listeners. God loves you, and uh, hang in there. It's uh doggy uh, dog world but we know we're victorious and we have all the all the tools to go to battle with Right, and that's Amen. a great word
0: to to wrap up today's edition of License to Parent with incidentally if you missed today's program if you'd like to hear any of our past programs including past conversations with Dr. Benzio you can find them on our website Licensed to parent dot o-r-g and uh, speaking of addictive behavior one of the challenges that we're always discussing here is trying to get our kids off of their phones and back into real face-to-face relationships. Well, we have posted some information on our website about Wise Phone usage, and we've got some options that your family may want to consider to help get control of your family time and of your kid's screen time. If you'd like to learn more, you can find it when you go to -to licensedtoparent.org slash wisephone. Again, licensedtoparent.org slash wisephone. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fasina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rossell, inviting you back again next time
1: to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.